All right, uh, a few quick things. One is, um, let me just say this, because I actually never do this, but I do think things are shifting. So I've shifted a bit. So one of the things that I've shifted in is um, when I shared about the offended Bible study that's coming out. The other thing that I'm doing, and it's only temporary um, before um, I start back into um, some church planting stuff. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm doing a study and a, um, different opportunities to go through a study and then a group study and then also one-on-one -on -one mentoring. So I've done this for, you know, 30 years where I've mentored leaders around the world and, and done different, obviously, kinds of teaching stuff. And I felt like the Lord said to open it up for this season. So I'm opening this up. And what this is, is I'm going to do a study in January on the mind about having a sound mind. And uh, for February, I'm going to do one on leading under pressure. Uh, because uh, many of you are leading in your own rights. And one of the things I do feel like to kind of turn towards this next season is to encourage and empower uh, women who are in leadership roles. And so these are not gender-focused, just so you know that, because we do love the men as well. And, um, but there, it's very, very much space is limited. So I'm just saying today's, you know, it's all, we've only announced this this week. And today is like really the big launch day for all of that stuff, so space is limited. So there's the group study, which will be limited, and obviously uh, the one-on-one -on -one mentoring, because I'm offering that as well, because I want to help people get from A to B to C. Um, but it's a short season, because I don't know how long I can do it for um, until I get to build something else. I'm a builder. I love to build. So um, there's all that. And then the other thing is, thank you so much for asking about how I'm doing with my knee. You guys, a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but for those that have actually asked me, thank you very much. Those who don't know, okay. Um, but uh, I have had three knee replacements during COVID. So um, this is what I've learned in this last season. So it was probably the Lord. I didn't have too much time to think about that question because I would have had to, you know, kind of forgive so many people this last a uh, couple of years. Anyways, the, uh, the guy, the surgeon, put in the wrong size part twice. Lord Jesus. So I have been sanctified in all kinds of different ways uh, the last few years. Uh, but I have had, I'm on my third knee replacement. Um, and I'm doing really well, actually. And this is why I'm doing well. It's on straight. Like, that's how I know. I do not understand seasons. Anyways, um, I feel like um, that the Lord has given me so much perseverance. And so, like I said earlier, when I said about my community and my friends, like I've just had such rich times with relationship. But, man, I've really been through it. I've been through it emotionally. I've been through it spiritually. And I've been through it physically. And how many know that's pretty much all you can go through? <laughs> uh, but I've also learned that you never say, oh, this is the worst time I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> because worst is usually right around the corner. You know what I mean? Just waiting for you. So I, I actually feel like I've never been healthier in a really long time. And uh, I'm actually being serious because I think when you go through really pressurized seasons, it doesn't just bring out all that you've already invested. It also brings everything to the surface that God wants to heal and restore in you. And if you don't turn towards the Lord in those seasons, you really will go bitter. So how many know we have, you know, ample opportunity to forgive? 
Um, in fact, you'll have to forgive people on the way out of church today because it's just going to be the number one thing until we're with Jesus. People are just going to give us so many opportunities to forgive. And if we don't walk in forgiveness, then we really will live a bittered life. So I'm a big believer in, in talking to God and being honest with God about the seasons that we're in. And it's okay to ask why, but just don't live there. Like I would love to understand all the reasons why, but the truth is this is what I've learned is that if God's not showing us everything, it's his mercy. Because if he showed us, we'd probably run. We'd probably run. So God is a lamp into our feet, and sometimes he's a light into our path. But if you're in a lamp season, take that as God's mercy that you just obey the next step. Amen? Amen. All of that was for free. All of it. <laughs> So I'm just going to um, just kind of close this up here in praying for how I felt to do this afternoon. And I'm going to shift a little bit here because I think we really are kind of quite good at once God frees us up. And I think learning more about the importance of uh, who we are and what God's invited us into and the story of our lives. I've got to stop here for a second. So are you the girl that's up here? I just have to say this over you. I, I rarely do this anymore, but I'm going to say this to you. I feel like God has rescued you and where God has put you. And do not try to be anybody else in the worship leader field. You be you. And what God has put on you. And um, when you were just leading, I was asking the Lord just to send people across your path that would help mold you into who you're called to be. And the Lord really has kind of just plucked you out of where you were. And he's put you here, and he's put you here for a reason. And let God mold you and make you and in his time. And, um, but you sound like you. Don't try to be like anybody else. Don't get caught up in all that crap in the church. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. For those of you that are stuck on the word crap, theologically what that means. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to shift this a little bit here. Pull it together. Pull it together. Okay. So it's one thing about, you know, sharing our story. Very important. You know, you can tell like throughout the day where the Lord's healing us in all kinds of different ways. Because the truth is, I think we have to actually redefine healing. We have to redefine miracle. We have to redefine prophecy. We have to redefine all these things that we need to see it instantly in order for it to be a thing. I think if God is with us, healing is taking place. Because God is Rapha. He is the great healer. And if God is with us, we're two or more gathered. He says, I basically can't help myself but show up. So if God is here, that means healing's happening today. So we may not see it all. We may not be able to understand it all. But God is, is healing us. And I think he's doing way more than we see, feel, or understand. Because if we really understood everything, then we just brought God down to our level. We're never going to fully understand everything. So it's good that God's healing us. But I want to shift this just a little bit and finish this out today. Because when I was praying about doing this, I really felt like the importance to talk a little bit about like listening to God. And uh, knowing that God listens to us. And then the importance of us listening to others. So first of all, that we are called to listen to God. Proverbs 1.5 says this. It says, let the, the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get 
guidance. So if you read the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is going to walk you all through guidance, all through wisdom, all of the things that we need for life and to live well and to live rightly. That's the book of Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. The word ear or ears appears 56 times in the Bible. The words hear, hears, heard, hearers, hearing appear over a thousand times in the Bible. And the words listen, listened, and listening appears 87 times in the Bible. There's a reason why God's give us two ears and one mouth. Amen, ladies? Right? The word hearing actually, especially through the Gospels, it literally means translated, it is an organ. And it is an organ that God has given to us uh, that we're called to utilize. It also means that when we talk about hearing or our ears or what God's given to us in the gift of of being able to hear and listen to God, is that it's a gift that God has given to us. And as it is with any gift, we have to choose to receive the gift. We have to choose to utilize the gift. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing the message. Is that all right? Is that really loud? It's loud, isn't it? It's not? That's a first. Faith comes from hearing the message. The message is here heard through the word of Christ. So it's in the hearing that we first accept the gospel, and it's hearing the word of God, the ongoing words of God that keeps us on the right path, that keeps us in, in purity, it keeps us uh, in wholeness of what God has called us uh, into. And so understanding that listening and hearing can often be uh, two very different things. In fact, we find through the gospels where Jesus addresses the, the difference between you know, listening and, and hearing. And the importance of engaging in the things that God um, has, has called us into. So Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So how many know there is a difference between hearing and listening? It is a choice uh, to listen to the people around us. It's a choice to listen to God. Matthew 13, 13 said, This is Jesus He's saying, this is why I speak to him in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. And they do not understand. And Jesus often spoke uh, uh, where people would hear him externally, but they wouldn't get it internally. So this is a picture. I want you to understand. Like, we can be in church our entire life and miss the important things about God. We can hear so many different messages and not understand the word. We can actually hear God, you know, in different forms and forget it quite quickly. There is a difference between listening and hearing. You know, when my kids were growing up, and my kids are both grown now. Um, when my kids were growing up, except my uh, little John, he would, he would, and they're almost 10 years apart, which I've always said this, but it's brilliant because then my older daughter could raise my son. So... <laughs> But my, my son, John, would just grab my face, and he would say, Mommy, listen to me. Listen to me. My, both my kids did that growing up, because I was always kind of going a little bit and you know, trying to survive in different ways. Mommy, listen to me. And there's something about this when we're listening to God, that we're tuning into the words of God and what he's called us into. Deuteronomy talks about this in chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. What I love about this is it's, it's literally every part of who we are. And all throughout the Bible, the heart and the mind often go hand in hand. But listening actually involves not just your ears, 
Translated, this means to listen and to love God means that we love him with our soul. It means our passions. It means our desires. It means the things that we are, it basically crosses over. It means the the seat of your will. In other words, you're making an intentional choice to listen to God and to love God with every part of who you are. You're called to love God with your emotions. You're called to love God with your listening. You're called to love God with how you see him and how you talk to him. It's every part of who you are. God doesn't want to just be your savior. He wants to be Lord over every part of your life. So it's an invitation to hear. And how many of you know it's impossible to be present in love if we're not being intentional and we're absent in our mind? It's almost like, Lord, I'm choosing, you know, I'm choosing to hear you. I'm choosing to listen to your words. I'm choosing to have you form me. I'm choosing to have you inform me. I find it interesting that one of the words in the Bible that is translated from the Greek that comes from the word work, it comes from the word ekunu, and it means, it's an interesting word because it means to hear with the ear of the mind. Now think about this for a minute, listening. To hear with the ear of the mind. Do you realize there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible? But how many promises do we actually hear where it's intentional, where it's every part of who we are? We're hearing with the ear of the mind. You know that picture, um, you know, where, um, where God, you know, looks at Jesus and, and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. You know that scripture? I think it's in Luke. And it's found through the Gospels. And it's, you know, before Jesus is, you know, kind of like sent out into you know, the power of the Spirit, which I believe he always had the Spirit on him, and he's fully God, fully man. But that's a theological debate that I won't get into right now because it's 3.30. <laughs> but he says, this is my son who I am well pleased. Listen to him. So this is an intentional, you know, invitation that God has given to us that it's a choice on whether or not we're going to listen to the words of God and listen to have him form us and inform us as well. The second thing is that we need to know that God listens to us. When I was praying for today, you know, it's so easy to go from one thing to the next to the next and, and forget that, you know, we are human beings. And just to know that God listens to us, do you know the power in that? Do you know how many people don't even know that God is for, for them? That God loves them, that God died for them. There's so many, I know so many people that will be in this room alone that you don't feel like God actually really listens to you. There's countless scriptures in the Bible of God's promises to us. In fact, I would, I would encourage you to look them up because it's important that you know that God hears you. He listens to you. All through Psalms, all through Proverbs, Psalm 10, 17 says, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Find it all through the Psalms. Psalm 151 is one of my favorite scriptures because it says, when we cry out to God, he never ignores, he never ignores us. Which tells me that anytime I cry out to God, he's never going to ignore me. He's never going to, you know, like kind of like I'm busy doing something else. God hears you. He listens to you. His ear is turned towards you. You know, I was doing a, a study on young people, which by the way, I love it that there's young people that are part of this, which right every, What's the age? 40 and below, all of us young people. <laughs> I am a grandmother, so, but I love that there's young people here. Do you know that one of the number one frustrations for young people is that they never feel heard? 
And you know that that's been generation after generation? Though one of the things that my kids tell me the most is, would you just, two things. One, would you just hear me? And two, would you just tell me the truth? Those two things. Like, just tell me the truth. I'd rather hear the truth, if you, even if it's tough. And would you please hear me out? Why is it that we wait until people get to a certain age where we feel like they, they should be able to come to the table? That's nonsensical. If you read through the Bible, God called all these kids to lead nations, kings to lead nations. Hello? Didn't Jen say something about it's not an age thing? It's really not an age thing. If there's any word that you take home today, just it's probably that one. Psalm 86.6 says this, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry uh, for mercy. So many of you need to know that God hears you. We listen to God. It's turning our ear. It's listening with every part of who we are. But it's also knowing that God hears us and that God does not ignore us. The third thing, and this is what I want to focus on and finish with, is that it's very important when we talk about story that it's not just about sharing our story, but that we get into practice, especially as the church, to learn how to hear other people and learn to hear the stories that other people have to share. And this is what I want to focus on. Romans 1.12 says that you and I might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, faith comes by what? Hearing. It's the hearing the word of God. It's hearing the things that we need to hear that actually challenges us, but also encourage us in our faith. So we're not only called to share our story of what God's done in us, but we're also called to do that for the people that God's called us to run with. Do you realize that listening is a spiritual gift? It's a choice and it's a spiritual gift. And it's probably one of the most underused gifts in the Bible. Two gifts, I think, that are the most underused gifts of what we have in the scriptures. One is listening, and the other one is to encourage. And we, we all can do it if we choose to. The power of listening is what changes people's life. It's sharing. It's doing life together. It's what I said earlier. When you have people, do you realize that the deeper pain somebody's in, the less words you even need to say? It's sharing in the sufferings. It's not fixing the sufferings. It's not having, you know, a prophetic insight. It's just being present. Do you know the power of that? Do you know that just being present is a form of listening? Because you're saying, I value enough to be here. It's a form of listening, of just being present. Malachi 3.16. It's talking about the remnant here, actually. God often, through the scriptures, will talk about a remnant that he leaves behind. And usually what that means is, like, it's a remnant. It's a part of what God began that God is going to continue. So when God says a word... Just because we don't see it in our generation doesn't mean that it falls to the ground. Because God is very serious about his promises and he's very serious about his words. So when God says it, it is. What we don't ever understand is the timing of when God says something and when it will come to pass. Well, when God makes a promise, it will come to pass. We just never know when. So when God says, I preserve a remnant, which you'll find through the scriptures, it's in Isaiah 58, it's found here in Malachi. When God says he's preserving a remnant, it's, it's that when God makes a promise, he preserves a bit of that root. He preserves a bit of what he will continue on because that promise that he spoke will not come, fall to the ground. So in Malachi here, when it's talking about the remnant, it says this. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened 
and hurt. So this is a posture of people getting together, a remnant of the people that God had brought together. They listened and they heard. And a scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. So I, I'm. this is like what the church is supposed to be, Acts 2, Acts 4, that we get together, we listen to the words of God, we remind ourselves of the promises of God. This is what it looks like to listen to one another. This is what it looks like to hear and share in each other's story. And the truth is, we don't do this enough because we are always trying to give a quick answer. We're always trying to, how many know, like even when we, we look like we're listening, in our head we're all already trying to come up with our response. Is that not true? Like we're so not really good at listening and hearing people's story. Hear the remnant. God is saying this is like sharing life together, sharing our stories, the power of that. That really is what Acts 2 and Acts 4. You know why the church was so powerful, the first church in Acts? They were so powerful because they shared life together. And most people, this makes me so sad, most people do not feel heard. And they come in and out of church or meetings, you know, every week or whatever it is that we have. And they feel like they're overlooked. And they feel like they're never listened to. They go home, they're not listened to. They come to church, they're not listened to. And they feel like their story doesn't matter. And we are the ones as the church that are called to shift and adjust and stop. And if we would just listen to people. Do you imagine the power in that? Because most people feel, and this is the truth, most people feel like their story, they don't share their story because they don't feel it's valued enough. And th the only way that things become valuable is we, we make them valuable. We adjust. We change. We listen. Do you realize that one in five, which you should because you live here, one in five in the UK struggle with loneliness. You have a minister of loneliness here. Come on. You have somebody in government that's called to the people because one of the top problems in this country and, and in the states, so I'm going to say this, and in the states we have the same problem, but we're probably too arrogant. I hope that's not on tape. To, to say we need a whole you know, government help here in a way. One in five people feel like they don't have anybody. So the government has to turn toward it. Do you know the number one problem I wouldn't say problem. The number one concern, but it is the highest statistics for clergy, is loneliness. And we wonder why people don't finish well. It's because they don't have any safe space to share their story without the fear of retribution. Like, you're going to judge me? You're going to come at me? You're going to tell me where I've already failed, what I already feel like a failure? Are you hearing me? So if we have that sort of celebrity culture in the church where we put leaders up on a pedestal as celebrities and that they're like superhuman, well, then there's no space for them to get well. And what we create in our church is we create these, these, these almost like false sort of sense of safety where people are not sharing the real struggles of what they have because if the leader's not doing it, I certainly am not going to do it. Hello? And the leader's not doing it because they don't feel safe to do it. And I understand that. I do understand that. But I also know that the only way that we break it is that we get vulnerable. We have to be able to be vulnerable. You know, you want to be open, but you don't want to be so open that your brains fall out. I think there's an element. <laughs> I think there's an element of vulnerability that needs to come to the church where we dismantle this celebrity stuff. 
And at the same time, I know that when we do that, then more people in the church will, will come in and feel like they can share their stuff. Because then they don't feel like they have to be perfect. I mean, look at what we've created. It's such a load of rubbish. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. But here's the thing, and this is why the enemy is so good at distracting us. Where there is uh, safety, there is a truth. And where there's a truth, there's a freedom. And the more safety that we create, where we allow people to be able to share their stories without jumping all over them and telling them what they should do or how they should live or what they should be, that's when people will begin to open up more. Nobody wants to get pounced on for sharing what they're struggling with. And nobody usually wants to share their dream if you're just going to make fun of it. And we as the church, we talk about dreams and we talk about how great we're going to be. We just need to go low. We just need to start listening to one another. We just need to hear each other's story. And I mean listen. Listen to where people are coming from. Loneliness is a big thing in this country. And we need to learn that actually even as a culture, especially, I don't have time to go into this. We are coming into a season where grief is going to hit culture unlike we've ever seen. And we as the church, we do not know what to do with grief. And people are going to need a safe space to heal. And in order for healing to come, we have to be able to say, here you go. Like, how are you feeling? Without like, oh, let me, you know, you need to do this or let me pray it away or any of that stuff. Like sometimes you just need to be quiet. Just be quiet and show up. Can I just say that? I was going to say shut up. So be quiet was actually quite nice, actually. Yeah. Second Corinthians 1.4 says this. He comforts us. This is Jesus to us. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give to them the same comfort that God has given to us. How many know, like, when you have really been through hard, painful, difficult seasons, it's not just for nothing. Don't waste that stuff. You use that so that you can be a comfort to other people, that if you made it, they can make it. That's why we share our stories. We don't share our stories to talk about how great and gifted we are. We share our stories because God rescued us. He saved us. Like, we were on a track going nowhere. And we were making a mess, and God has swooped in, and he's rescued us. And how many know he keeps restoring us, because we keep messing up, and he keeps restoring us. That's the power of story. And when people hear that, they're like, if you can do it, I can do it. If you can survive this, maybe I can survive it. That's what people need to hear. That's what it looks like to listen to people's story. And I think so much of the time, we're just talking and talking and talking and giving people a program and giving people, if you just do A, B, C, then you know you're going to get your healing. That's so much rubbish. That's all man-made stuff in the last 30 years, by the way. Because the truth is, God will never, ever entrust all of himself to us because he knows he can't trust us with it. He even said it about the disciples. He knows who we are. When we press into him, we get to encounter him. And when we come together, we encounter him because he's a good gift-giving God. It's just who he is. He loves to heal us. He loves to restore us. But do you know that the gifts say nothing about us? They say nothing about us. They say everything about what a great gift-giving God God is. And the gifts that God puts in your hand and what you do with that determines your gift back to God. That's what we have as a church. That's our story. And so listening to others, listening to God, what is... 
What is God saying to us as the church? What is God saying to me as an individual? How is God building into my story? How is God forming me in this season? All of that's super important. Knowing that God hears you is vital. If you hear anything when you walk out of here today, you need to know that even if you don't understand it, even if you're, you know, even if God's speaking to you in a much different way, which it will be much different than how God speaks to me or anybody else, because it's very personal, but God hears you. And if you could just land in that place that God does hear you. And then listening to others and the relationships that we have. And basically just stepping back for a minute. And as the church, can we just do that? Step back and say, yeah, I'd like you to hear my story. But at the end of the day, what's your story? Like, how did you get here? Like, what has God done for you? I want you to look at this because I want to propose a challenge to us. Because is it not perhaps like as the church, we're so quick to judge? We wrap it up. We wrap gossip up in prayer. I'm just praying for her. Can you just tell me a little bit more? <laughs> we have all of our sneaky ways. But you know what? Judgment, opinions are often, you know, or judgments are often coming in the form of opinions. And we're so quick to give our opinion about people's lives. And the truth is, people just need to be heard. They just need to know that they're valued and they need to know that they've been heard. So is there a picture up there? So this is, well, that's me. <laughs> so see this picture? I want to see how gifted you are. Like prophetically, what are you seeing right now? No, this is, I'm just kidding. Is it there? Do you guys all know who this girl is? You don't know who she is? Are you sure? Well, this girl's name is Cain. So she was raised by her grandmother in Ghana. Her parents gave her a really hard time about her career um, and different paths that she took in life. And she struggled with high anxiety to the point where her hair would just fall out. And um, she came, uh, went to the States and with $500, she took $500 and she created a hoodie company where now she's a multimillionaire. Now you look at that picture. Would you ever know that? No. Put up the next picture. Do you know who this is? No. If somebody says yes, I'm going to make you say it because there's no way you don't know who this woman is. Anyways, this is, this is Louisa. So Louisa is, um, she's a beauty, and she uh, was uh, alive in the 1800s. She was widowed, and, um, and she was put in a position where her husband owned the biggest whiskey distillery, and because she was a woman, and during the times, she wasn't allowed to vote, she wasn't allowed to do lots of things because she was a woman. But because she was widowed, she was allowed to step in to take over the whiskey business. Um, and, but she was completely disregarded. And she built up that whiskey company, which is one of the top whiskey companies, actually. And I'm just going to say for the States, okay? Because I know that I know where I'm at. But, but, but in the States, where she made it into a thriving company, and it wasn't until a hundred years later that she was honored for her life. And it was like her great, great, great grandson stepped in and said, oh my gosh, we have dishonored her and we need to honor her for it. And they started naming all of these drinks after her. She had to wait a hundred years. Imagine all of the rejection 
And imagine all the things she had to persevere through just to show up, just to survive. But she survived. That's her story. Do you know who this one is? Go ahead and put up the next. Do you know who this is? This is a young Tina Turner. Imagine if people, you know, saw her picture when she was young. You know, we look at, you know, I saw a documentary on her a few months ago, a new one. I'm watching this woman's life who's really been in hell. And you, you could look at her life and say she's successful, and, she's, and she is. And you can look at where she's accomplished much, and she has, but she's also survived incredible trauma and incredible abuse for years to this day where it still affects her and where she's still traumatized by it. You can see it in the documentary. And she survived all that. And I think could it not be like if I just put your photo up there and everybody said, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Oh, yeah, they look like they have this problem. Oh, yeah, they look like this, they have this struggle. And we just make a judgment about your life. Do you realize that that's what we do oftentimes as the church? We, get it, we look at somebody and we sum them up in like two seconds. I don't know your story. I don't know all the trauma that you've had to survive. I don't know what it took for you to get here today or for you to actually persevere and push outside of what you come from. But if you're here today, there's purpose in that. And one of the most powerful things that we could do as the church is for us to step back and say, hey, tell me a little bit about your story. I'm listening. Instead of judging, instead of assuming, instead of actually, and this is what I've learned, it's really hard to hate people up close. Like the more that we learn about people's story, the more we're drawn in because we can relate when, when people have gone through stuff that we've gone through. That's what the scripture is all about of why we have one another is so that we can encourage, we can comfort, we can build each other up. That's the gift of prophecy. Do you realize that? It's to build up, it's to exhort, it's to bring comfort. That's why the Apostle Paul's like, I wish all of you guys would just do this because it's so life-changing. That's what we have as the church. And if we leave here today, my encouragement would be not to just share your story, but just take a step back and maybe have a little grace on the people that God's called in your life. And instead of assuming they're just the way they are, that there's probably reasons why they are the way they are. Because how many know we make a lot of decisions based on someone's behavior rather than seeing what's behind the behavior? I remember years ago, this girl, this friend of mine, um, she just about lost her mind on me. I don't even know what happened. To this day, I still don't know what happened, which is probably good. It's one of my oblivious gifts. Um, but she was just coming at me, and, um, and we've since reconciled, and she's actually a good mate of mine. But she just was coming at me and coming at me. And when she was coming at me, I just felt like the Lord said to me at that moment, this was probably 15 years ago, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Christy, I just want you to step back because I want you to see why she's responding the way she's responding. It, it, it's not about the issue. It was about what was hurting in her. Do you understand? And so much of the time, we just judge. We see a picture from somebody's life, and we judge the whole book of their life from one chapter. Don't let somebody walk in on some chapter of your life and, you know, dictate what your story is. Don't give them that power. Because the truth is, you are the only one, no, uh, one that knows what you've had to survive. And at the end of the day, all of us in this room, all of us in this room, we don't know what each other goes home to at night. 
And we don't know what people have to survive. So if I could just finish with this, which this is quite heavy, but the truth is people need to be heard. And it is an underused gift in the church that we need to be able to share what God's done in our life, but we also need to have the gift of listening back into the church where we're listening to people's story and we're not trying to fix everybody. We're not trying to come up with more programs. We're just trying to love people to Jesus. I just want to be present because I just want you to know that there's hope outside of this. Do you realize that that's evangelism? Just showing up with no agenda. Most of the kingdom of God is learning how to show up in people's life with no expectation of return. Like, I'm just going to love you, and I'm just going to serve you, and my expectation is hopefully you're going to be somewhat nice to me, but I don't have an expectation to get all this stuff back because the kingdom of God is learning how to live sacrificially and die to self and live so that others can live, you know? And so it's a daily choice. It's a daily, you know, sort of, it's not easy. So in finishing with this, these two things, share your story, but also be intentional about this. The people that God's called you to do life with, just sit back and say, hey, listen, I've never really even heard your story. Would you share some of it with me? And I'll tell you two things that are quite, and I understand the whole British culture. I understand, I think it's quite brave that you actually have two Americans at this conference. <laughs> Um, but but um, I understand the whole we don't ask questions because we don't want to be invasive. So let me just tell you this. 90% of people would like you to ask. They would like to be asked. It's just we don't do it because we're so afraid of being invasive or we're so afraid of whatever. But I'm telling you right now, we live in a time and in a culture, and I'll tell you this for sure, the young people, they want to be asked. They want to know, they want to be, they want to share their story. They want to be asked why they feel the way they do, you know, that whatever. It's just part of, you know, how culture is shifting again. But be intentional. The people that, that God has placed around you, go have tea, you know, this week and with somebody or coffee and just say, hey, listen, can I hear a little bit about, you know, your life? I, I realize I don't, I don't even really know. And if they don't want to share, that's fine. You know, I don't believe in bully evangelism, by the way. I don't think you have to, pull, I don't think you have to pin them down and say, I have to listen to your story. You have to share it to me. Um, but I'll tell you this. The more that you just kindly ask, people will slowly open up. Because it's really the desire of people's heart to share. It's just that they have to feel safe enough. So you have to decide if you're going to be a safe person to create you know, these safety places for people to share who they are and to share their struggle without the fear of retribution and without the fear of judgment. Could you imagine this, ladies, just for a second, where you could actually share, you can actually share the struggles of what you're pushing through without feeling like somebody's going to reject you? See, we can't even imagine it. Like, let me just stay here for a second. We actually can't even imagine as the church what it would be like to share without being judged. We have a ways to go. So I love talking about the gifts and power and prophetic and all that kind of stuff. But if we could just actually go low and hear each other, that's the powerful prophetic part of what God's given to us as the church. And I'm telling you, people want to be heard. Don't you want to be heard? Yeah. 
And I think in the part of that, I think even what Jen shared today about God changing our name, about God bringing restoration, about God healing us, that will come in the conversations that you have. I think a lot of healing and a lot of restoration that's going to come to the world around us are going to be around the dining room table. So this is on us. This is what God's called us to. This is the, the call of the church. Amen? Amen. Are you all right? Yeah. All right, why don't you stand? Let's do a bit of ministry. You guys want to